Welcome to Not Just a Sports Report. Welcome to Not Just a Sports Report. It is time for the NRL Round 11 weekly preview. Uh, we don't preview Round 11 every week. This is the one week where we do pre- preview, 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 good start, uh, Round 11. And look, we're going hot off the heels of Magic Round, all of the action taking place at Suncorp Stadium in Brisbane. And look, there were some amazing moments. Adam Reynolds, that was one that comes to mind. One not-so-amazing one as a Warriors fan was seeing Cody Walker absolutely romp us in the first half. Uh, But from that point onwards, things worked out pretty well, you'd have to say, for the Warriors, other than not getting the win. Uh, But some magic throughout the weekend, no doubt. Even the Raiders putting on some magic. Penrith Panthers is definitely putting on some magic. But the talking point coming off the weekend, Trent Barrett leaving the Bulldogs decided to quit crisis meeting uh okay that was really unexpected considering his links with phil gould who wanted him to be the panthers coach after anthony griffin got sacked uh you think about players like viliame kicker matt burton brent naden who literally has already left the dogs so probably had something in his contract he's signed immediately with the tigers and yeah, Trent Barrett, I don't know. This seems like... I don't know, for instance, I said to JJ, I was like, I don't think the Warriors are going to get rid of Nathan Brown, but if we did, I would take Trent Barrett. Like, I actually think he's a good coach and has potential to be a great coach. The Dogs, definitely a team that needed time. So, I, I don't know. Barrett quitting, did he not feel that he was supported? Did he? Did he literally see that Knights game and just go... I don't know if I can fix this team. I don't know if I can fix this. I don't know if I'm fixing it or making it worse. But it's interesting as well because Phil Gould, before either of them were at the Bulldogs, and there was talk about Trent Barrett taking this do- uh, dog job, uh, he said, he warned Trent Barrett, like, be careful about the club you choose to go and coach. And he specifically said, be careful about going to a club like the Dogs. You look at how they treated Dean Pay. Uh, and yeah, it's they didn't give him that much time and they didn't go really anywhere in that time and they just got a heap of new players and it's what, like 10 rounds? And now it's like, all right, now nah, fuck it, next. I, I don't understand. This one is a weird one. It's like almost like the NRL, there has to be a coach sacked every year. And it was like, oh, fuck, like Tigers, Michael Maguire, oh. They're giving him a bit of time. Like, damn, who do we, like, hound? It's like Trent Barrett. So that that one, yeah, I don't really have the words for it. That one doesn't make sense to me. And I'm sure we'll get some info a bit later on. In fact, Phil Gould releases a podcast, so I may even go and listen to that tomorrow when that's out. Um, And, yeah, I'm sure he'll give a detailed explanation because I'd love to know more of the inside dealings which i don't at this stage but the major news coming off the weekend trent barrett no longer the coach of the bulldogs major head scratcher in my opinion but 
Uh, yeah, Bulldogs, I thought they were heading in the direction of a powerhouse club, and we will see. We'll, once we have hindsight, we'll know whether this was a great move or whether this was a total bad shit. Um, but, yeah, Dogs, I believe, are in ninth. Uh, not ninth. They're in last, I think. We'll get to that in a moment, though. But first of all, let's get to the opening game of round 11, Thursday night, where the 14th-placed Knights take on the 7th-placed surging Brisbane Broncos, who are in unbelievable form. Anthony Milford, at times, unbelievable form at Brisbane. Sometimes it wasn't going his way. But Anthony Milford, he is not lacing up the boots for the Broncos this weekend. He has been named at 5'8 for the Knights. So that is a major in. I've been saying for a few weeks now, as soon as they can, which round 11 is literally the first opportunity that they were allowed to play Milford, he was going to come into the team, definitely. And this could be a bit of a game changer. I'm interested to see how it goes. There are rumors that Milford is off to the Dolphins next year. Uh, That hasn't been confirmed, though, but that is a major... That was the first thing that stuck out to me with this matchup, other than the Knights at home in Newcastle. So it could be a real danger side for the Broncos. But now I truly believe in the Broncos. Like, I thought the Seagulls were going to be a danger side for them. I thought the Sharks were going to be a danger side. I thought the Rabbitohs. So now I'm like, am I discrediting the Brisbane Broncos if I'm just, if I really lean into like, hey, Knights could be a danger side and not truly realize that the Brisbane Broncos, they are hitting their straps. Adam Reynolds has come on and take this challenge, taken this challenge, English quite poor. Uh, Mine, not Adam Reynolds. But he's come on and taken this challenge, and they're they're thriving at the moment. I have been so impressed with the Brisbane Broncos. You could say A if it was a grading sheet, A to A plus. Like the Broncos right now, they look like a top eight side. They are beating top eight sides, and now they are going to be going up against a side in fourteenth. Last week they played like a side who are in fourteenth position. They were in sixteenth at the time. That win. They grinded it out, got them off the bottom of the ladder, and who knows, that confidence boost and Anthony Milford could, you know, make this a totally different game to what we are expecting. Last time out at Magic Round, the Broncos absolutely towed up Manly. I mean, I did not see that coming. Selwyn Cobbo with the hat trick. Adam Reynolds, he was my X-Factor player of Magic Round, and that is two consecutive weeks that in the NRL Power Hour podcast... Adam Reynolds has been the X-Factor player of the entire round. So that is a big deal, at least in the context of like this game. They towed up Manly, and Manly, they beat the Knights. So read into that what you will. Like there's no such thing as like doing that kind of math, but the Broncos, like the way they beat the Seagulls was simply magical. And if they can bring even like close to that at McDonald Jones Stadium, is it called now? Rogue Stadium name. Uh, sorry if McDonald Jones, it's like, you know, some like legend who's died that they've named it after. Uh, I think it's McDonald's. I don't know. Well, someone hit me up about that. But yeah, the Knights, they beat the Bulldogs in Magic Round. So, I mean, both of these sides having wins. Very different kind of wins, though. Uh, Broncos, definitely, there's meant a lot more. The Knights beating the Bulldogs, though, that ended up being the fatal blow for Trent Barrett and the Dogs out of nowhere. So, yeah, the Knights, they would be like, holy shit, does that mean that uh, Adam O'Brien would have got fired 
if the Knights lost that one. Is someone getting fired after this one? It's 15th versus 16th. Again, I don't know. And I don't mean, I'm not trying to talk shit. Like, I don't want to see anyone get fired. I don't know why Trent Barrett left. I really don't know. So, yeah, I, I don't want to see anyone get fired, but it's literally, it's like, that's what the NRL's like now. It's like, is one of these guys going to get fired? Who actually bloody knows? But let's get on to the game now. <clears throat> and then quickly on last week, for the Knights, two players now, every NRL power hour, I actually only started it recently, so not every, but I've been having out the Tough Stuff Award for maybe the less heralded work that's done on the field rather than the X Factor, but just the tough shit that, you know, isn't pleasant to do, less pleasant than doing a chip and chase and scoring a try. It's like, you know, making a hard tackle after hard tackle and taking runs against the elite forwards that you have to oppose week in and week out. And David Clemmer, he has been a shining light for the Knights. He's been working really hard all season, also added some ball playing to his game. And Mitch Barnett, he was the Tough Stuff Award winner over the whole course of Magic Round. Just was insane. So many tackle busts. The dogs could not contain him. And he ended up being a major inclusion for that night side. So Mitch Barnett and Dave Klemmer, I think guys like that hold the key to getting the win over the Broncos because they're going to be up against it with Payne Haas, guys like Kurt Capewell, Patrick Carrigan on the other side, and Corey Jensen, who has been an outstanding buy for the Brisbane Broncos. The Knights, they've been lacklustre all season. No Jaden Braley has really hurt them. They've been waiting for a guy like Anthony Milford, but is that going to change their whole season? Really hard to tell. As for the Broncos, they are in thrilling form. The Reynolds signing couldn't be any better. My throat is giving way on me, but yeah, what I'll quickly say, Adam Reynolds. Okay, I'm going to just... Adam Reynolds. Oh, excuse me. Yeah, no, Adam Reynolds. Unbelievable signing. He couldn't be doing better. And it looks like the Broncos back on the way up. And speaking of on the way back up, my throat. We're back, baby. Oh, I felt, oh, I felt, felt it come back. Never get too confident. That's, that's the key. Now, for the ins and outs, Anthony Milford named it 5'8", as I mentioned. That is a big one for the Knights. Now, Tex Hoy, he drops, drops, jops to 18th man. He'd been playing 5'8 the last couple of weeks, but Milford, that, I think that's what the Knights need. At least, yeah, I think it'll help them score some points. I back Milford. I think of Milford as a really, really quality player. At one stage, he looked like he was going to be the next big thing. And maybe the pressure of that and the expectation of that kind of led him down the road that he's been down. But who knows? I've never talked to him, so I don't honestly know. But what I do know is that Tyson Frizzell back for the Knights... All of a sudden, Knight's not looking too bad. Like, Clemmer's been going great all season. Mitch Barnett turned out to be a very crucial inclusion last week. And now Tyson Frizzell. Like, this could all pan out really well for the Knights. I'm actually kind of... I'm considering them. I like to consider all options and not just go, yeah, like, it's clear-cut. Broncos are going to win this. And I can see many different ways where the Knights win this. Frizzell coming back is a big part of that. I think he's essential to their team going well. And in the extended reserves, Dane Gagai, potentially we see him come into the team. Otherwise, it looks like he's due back in the next couple of weeks, right in time for Origin, which works well for the Queenslanders. And Jake Clifford in the extended reserves as well. 
Interesting if the Knights win here. Does Jake Clifford stay out of the side? And do they go with Adam Clone and Anthony Milford? Or are they going to go with Clifford and Milford? I think potentially that may be the one that gets a run over the course of the full season. But we'll have to wait and see what Adam O'Brien is thinking. As for the Broncos, Tamare Martin has been named at fullback despite having a hip injury. But Selwyn Cobber trained at fullback on Monday. That is his preferred position. He looks like he's set to be the Brisbane Broncos full-time number one for years to come. So I think maybe, yeah, they pull that switch this weekend or this Thursday. And yeah, if they move him to fullback, look, he doesn't have to play a full season there. Playing him on the wing is not a bad idea. He scored three tries last game. He's been nominated for a Rising Star nomination for the Not Just a Sports Report Rising Star on the NRL Power Hour podcast, one of the best emerging young stars in the game. But I don't think it hurts to throw him in at fullback and give him some time there, give him a little bit of experience. And when you look at the Dragons and someone like Tyrell Sloan or someone like Jaden Campbell at the Titans and how they've had both sides have had trouble working out exactly how to get these guys into the first grade setup, give them experience and still get wins. We saw Jaden Campbell back in, uh, come back in and absolutely kill it on the weekend. But I like the thinking from the Broncos because you're not playing Selwyn Cobber at fullback week in, week out. And then if the Broncos had played like they have in the last couple of years, then all of a sudden it doesn't work as well. But they're killing it. He's on the wing. He's just like playing NRL consistently, applying his trade. Now, give him a little bit of a taste at the fullback position. That's where surely he's going to end up. Like, all signs are pointing to him being the Brisbane Broncos' long-term fullback. So, I'm thinking they throw him there. I'm thinking he plays there this Thursday. It's not like you're up against the Penrith Panthers or the Melbourne Storm with as much respect as possible to the Newcastle Knights. So, Selwyn Cobbo could be a real game-changer if he gets unleashed at fullback in this game. Checking out what is next, and that is my thought on this game as a whole. As I've said, Newcastle could definitely be a danger side. Like, if you're betting money on this, don't let this be one where you just blindly go like, yep, Broncos, and you just put it in without much thought, because Newcastle in Newcastle, that's always a tough game. You know that the crowd are going to be there, especially against a team like the Broncos. There's going to be, like, the Newcastle crowd are going to be booing the shit out of them, I'm sure, and they're going to be pumped up for the Knights, boys. They really want that win. It is crucial if they want to make finals football this season and pull themselves out of their slump. So, yeah, don't just blindly go for the Brisbane Broncos, but... I have jumped on the Brisbane Broncos bandwagon. I said if they could beat Manly that I would believe in the Broncos the same way that I've said similar about the Cowboys earlier this season. And Broncos passed my test. They didn't just pass my test. They flogged the Manly Seagulls, which is no easy feat. So 38-0, that is legit. And no matter how much I think the Knights in Newcastle could be a danger side, I think it's time for me to pay credit to the Brisbane Broncos and what they are doing at the moment. Kevin Walters doing a fantastic job. His son, Billy Walters, was outstanding. Had something like seven tackle breaks against the Seagulls. So he's turned out to be a great buy. And yeah, Kevin Walters couldn't be going better than he is at the Broncos. For Adam O'Brien and the Knights, the Knights have said that they're backing him in. And I fully believe that. They got their man. He was at one stage looked like maybe he'd be the one to take over from Craig Bellamy 
at the Melbourne Storm. So, like, I at least respect if the Knights mean what they say they do, which I'm going to believe that they do, then I at least like that they're like, you know, we're going to give you time rather than what we're seeing at the Bulldogs. So respect to the Knights for that, not really for their form, but yeah, respect to all of them for actually going out and playing. It's, it's fucking, it'd be insanely hard. You'd have to be so fit and even just playing, like anyone who's played rugby league, it's like every now and then, like I played prop for most of my life and yeah every now and then you just get this guy on the opposite team who's just so big and you're just like oh for fuck's sake like how how am I going to contain how am I going to contain this guy and I always thought gee whiz like NRL it's like literally it's just all those guys so instead of just like one or two kids where you're like oh fuck these guys are menacing it's like everyone everyone's menacing and I mean the perfect example like if you want to think for the nights of someone when you're running out there and being like, oh, for fuck's sake, I gotta tackle this guy? Pain hearts. You gotta first of all try and just stop this guy. And then he's freeing up the hand and passing it to like Adam Reynolds, who can give it out to Katoni Staggs, who could give it to Selwyn Cobo. Like, it's absolutely wild. So the Knights, they're gonna be on full alert, making sure that they don't let anything slip by their defense, because the Brisbane Broncos do have potential to pile on the points. My point of difference in this game, I like Kirk Capewell in the back row. He's never afraid to back himself. He's going to be up against Tyson Frizzell. I think that's going to be one of the great contests of the game. But yeah, Kirk Capewell, his versatility and his skill set, I think that's something that's going to be a real point of difference here if this ends up being a close game against the Knights. My key battle has been in the forwards all around, as I talked about, Clemmer, Frizzell, uh, Mitch Barnett, the Saifides, them up against the likes of Payne Haas, Corey Jensen, Jordan Rickey, Patrick Carrigan. It's, it's going to be a great battle. And I think the Fords, they have to lay the platform either side for the exciting back lines to be able to work their magic. Checking out the X Factor. I've gone with two. I've gone with Anthony Milford for the Knights for plenty of the reasons why I've already listed. And as Raiders being my second team, like when he was at the Raiders, I was like, Holy shit. This guy is the man. And I believe it, to some extent he is still the man. So definitely some X factor in Anthony Milford. And for the Broncos, if Selwyn Cobo goes to fullback, then I'm going Selwyn Cobo as a real X factor. Obviously Adam Reynolds, X factor player of the last two rounds. But I'm going to give some love to the young star, Selwyn Cobo. Everyone's a huge fan of this kid. He looks like he's going to be one of the great stars of the game so I think he's a bit of an x-factor for the Broncos and overall as I've said Knights could be a danger side but my prediction I'm going to be going with the Brisbane Broncos I think they're going to be look after what I've seen I've gone against them pretty much every one of their wins maybe I've gone with them once like I think the dogs won um but yeah I keep going against them with sides that are much better in my mind than what the Knights have dished up this year and the Broncos have passed every test with flying colours. So right now I'm going to give them credit where credit is due. I'm going to be taking the Brisbane Broncos over the Newcastle Knights on Thursday night. I like the backline strike for the Broncos. Corey Oates, Cobbo, Adam Reynolds, Katoni Staggs, Herbie Farnworth. And yeah, ultimately I think Broncos, they have enough weapons to get it done. JJ, jumping on to your thoughts on the Broncos up against the Knights. I believe you also... 
had some thoughts on the Trent Barrett situation. What are you thinking? Speak to me, JJ. All right, even before I touch on the Trent Barrett situation, I will touch on this game. Yeah, definitely easy to blindly go for the Broncos here. I definitely had to have a think about it. I think we're a little bit biased with the Broncos' performances in terms of uh, we're definitely judging or highlighting their Suncorp, Suncorp performances. Like, their Suncorp performances have been on another level, and I don't know if that's just the crowd factor, the home factor, whatever it is. Um, so it's another good test, this one, for me to be completely convinced uh, with the Broncos, although I would say I'm like 98% convinced. And that's why I'm pretty confident in the Broncos with this one. I do believe the inclusion of Milford will relieve a bit of the pressure on Ponga in terms of like the creativity aspect. Just another like highly creative player who I feel like Ponga won't feel like he has to do everything, which maybe has been a little bit in the past few games, especially with the absence of Gagai as kind of a strike player. So that'll be interesting to see how it plays out. But uh, I always hesitate when you like bring in new halves or like there's a new halves combo coming in because do they get it going from like you know the absolute first play i'm not sure like i i definitely think that milford would be a good inclusion though so uh pretty confident in the broncos here but yeah it might be a little bit closer i wouldn't take too much out of the win from the knights last week against the bulldogs the bulldogs are absolutely inept in attacks so yeah that yeah i don't take too much out of that but that's a good segue to get into the Trent Barrett situation. The Bulldogs have been inept, as I said, but especially in attack. The defense has been actually not that bad, like from what I've seen. Um, but it's a little unfortunate with the Trent Barrett thing because um, f- from what I've heard from chatting to you, Mick, like seems like he was a good prospect as a coach. Uh, I feel like he hasn't really had that much time. Like uh, he, he only got appointed like last year. And for mine, like, I don't really understand the thinking in terms of, like, are the Bulldogs expecting to, like, get someone in to get them to the finals this year? Like, where's the thinking at? If they are thinking that, like, that's really kind of against the whole building thing. So it's a kind of bit counterintuitive to kind of go back to square one when you're already trying to build. So, yeah, that kind of struck me as aw- kind of awkward and doesn't doesn't really make sense in my mind. But I understand how, like, the media and stuff can really, like, hype it up and and cause these kind of crisis meetings or whatever. But I guess he wasn't fired. He quit, but maybe it's best for him. Like, um, maybe he's, he's seen the writing on the wall, the Bulldog. He's like, I'm going to get out of here. You guys, I don't know what's going on, but I'm going to get out of here. So maybe it's best for him, but it'll be interesting to see how the Bulldogs take on their game this week when they take on the 15th place Tigers. So another 15th first 16th, another spoon ball, as you might call it. Who's going to take this one? What do you think, Mick? Who's going to take this one? I have no bloody idea. It is the 15th place Tigers hosting the dogs at Leichhardt. So I guess there's an early advantage. The fired up Leichhardt faithful. It's an awesome stadium for footy. It's the Tigers' spiritual home. But in recent years, that hasn't meant a whole lot. That doesn't always mean they're going to fire up and put out a great performance, but they are up against the Bulldogs. We've talked about the Trent Barrett situation. Uh, you talked to me just in between recording and said, remember the Dogs beat the Roosters a couple of weeks ago? And I was like, oh yeah, yeah, the Roosters were the team preseason that I picked to win the Premiership. It's like, oh yeah, true. Well, now the Dogs. Uh, who's coaching them? I actually, I need to double check this. I believe it might be Dave Ferner, former 
Canberra Raiders coach. He spent time at Leeds as well. Has been an assistant at the Rabbitohs. May have even been an assistant at the Cowboys at some point. Uh, but uh, let me check. Let me quickly check this, but I'll keep going. The Trent Barrett situation. Obviously, we've talked quite a bit about that. But yeah, it's it's a really, really curious one. And you've got to wonder how it feels. You have this young, exciting team. Did anyone expect them to be like awesome this year? I thought like maybe this is the year you just let the combinations build and then read Marnie, Viliame Kikau come to the club. A lot of this stuff is just so sensationalized. I don't know. It's like, yeah, there's money involved in football. It's a results-driven business and whatnot. But like in the grand scheme of like everything that goes on in life, sorry to get deep here, but like, what the fuck does like sitting 16th on the ladder one year in the context of where the Bulldogs are at as a club and have been for a few years now, like what the fuck does like six or seven losses mean? Yeah, the record's not great, but like players, Matt Burton presumably is there to play under Trent Barrett. Viliame kick out, I assume, other than getting some fat cash, which is always great. I assume he saw the dog's vision under Trent Barrett. So now, yeah, uh, who is the Bulldogs coach? Who's who's imparting the vision? I don't even know. So that is not a good sign. Maybe another advantage to the Tigers. I do know who their coach is, Michael Maguire, who I'm sure he's sitting there thinking like, damn, like feeling for a brother. Being like, fuck, you know, there's nothing that, not much stopping that from being me. So, yeah, I'm sure Michael Maguire, he's just like, damn, this is, like, such a savage industry. I don't know what the go is, why it's, like, yeah, sack coaches. And I would love to actually work out the kind of trajectory on clubs in the last 10 or 20 years after sacking a coach, how many, A, how many coaches they've been through since that point, and B, like, how many clubs have actually fully turn things around. You could think Penrith Panthers getting Ivan Cleary back, sacking, sanking, sacking Anthony Griffin. Like that worked out, but like Panthers were always building to be awesome. Maybe Anthony Griffin could have done some wonderful things with that team as well. But yeah, like, I don't know. I think of the Warriors. We've been through a fair few coaches. It doesn't seem to work. Tigers have been through a fair few Coaches, hasn't worked. Bulldogs, been through a couple in the last couple of years. Doesn't seem to work. Panthers, they've been pretty consistent with their coach. Up at the top, Melbourne Storm. Yeah, they've had the one coach. Roosters, Trent Robinson's been the coach for quite some time now. Even Parramatta Eels, who they're at least, you know, on the right end of the ladder and competing in the right kind of games and being quality at the right moments. Well, they've had Brad Arthur for a while even though as soon as, like, I guarantee you, as soon as the Eels have some losses, if they have a season start like the Bulldogs did this year, if that's how Paris start next year, Brad Arthur, it'll happen to Brad Arthur. Like, it's fucking, I have no idea what the go is. Someone tell me, Google, tell me who the coach is. Is it Trent Barrett? Um, no, it's not Trent Barrett. Is it Dave Ferner? Uh, is it Phil Gould? Is it Steve Price? I don't know. I give up. That's that's the situation at the Dogs. That's not good. I don't even know who their coach is. I do a weekly NRL podcast. And it would take me like 
10 or 15 minutes to tell you who their fucking coach is. So, oh, that's not good. I'm actually, I was going to go the dogs. I'll tell you that much. Do uh, I, do Mick, I go Mick the... Mick Potter, isn't it? Mick Potter. Oh, oh, yeah. So he was coaching the reserve grade squad. Well, here's a factor. I'm glad you told me that, JJ, because Mick Potter, talk about how the West Tigers have been through some coaches. How's that worked out for them? Mick Potter was a West Tigers coach. I'm sure many people remember that. He took over shortly after Tim Sheens or right after Tim Sheens. There was the whole Robbie Farah thing. And Mick Potter, he got sacked from the Tigers. So, wowee, what a world. That is, um, is that ironic? Is ironic the right word there? I don't know. Mick Potter taking over at the Dogs. He would probably have no confidence in keeping that job. He would be like, this is fully on an interim basis. If they, Even if they're like, mate, we want you aboard, Mick Potter, four-year deal. He would be like, nah, nah, you Tigers and Bulldogs operators, I've fucking had enough of this shit. Like, straight up. If you're an up-and-coming coach listening to this podcast and the Bulldogs approach you, like, honestly... Take a job as a janitor at the storm at this point and just impress Craig Bellamy through your hustle because, like, the way the dogs are treating their coaches... Oh, Mick Potter, that is a laugh. That is a laugh. I actually think now he is going to be like, fuck yeah, I'm going to get these bulldogs firing up and about and we're going to romp the Tigers. And then there's going to be that little moment of Mick Potter being like, you never should have fired me. You haven't made fun. They haven't made finals since they sacked Mick Potter. Uh, so there we go. There's a little narrative there. Mick Potter up against Michael Maguire. Two guys who definitely could empathize with Trent Barrett. But let's get on to the actual game now. Last week for the Tigers, we saw Junior Tupo make his debut. A young kid who's come over from Rugby Union. He went really, really well as well. I think he's someone who's going to end up being a Tigers star for quite some time. Although, I'm holding my guns because we've seen James Tedesco, Mitch Moses, Marika Corabetti, like a lot of the Josh Adokar, a lot of the time when there's a dope young star at the Tigers. Like, I want to say, hell yeah, this is a Tiger for the next decade. But yeah, the Tiger maybe becomes a rooster or something. But honestly, the Tigers, they have built and made some positive signings for next year. Coruscant, Isaiah Papali'i. Um, they've signed Brent Naden immediately as well. So Tigers are actually building. Tim Sheens is there. Michael Maguire, it looks like, like you got to give them time. It's, you just got to give them time. It does take time. And yeah, it's every time I think about this whole coach thing, it just blows my mind. But back to Junior Tupo, looks like he is a young star. I think center is his preferred position, but he played out on the wing, went really well in the loss up against the Cowboys. And yeah, Brent Naden has been named in the reserves, literally just left the dogs, could be playing the dogs this week after Cody Nikarima last weekend, playing the Warriors after just leaving the Warriors. That is the NRL for you. We love to sack coaches and fucking one week someone's wearing your team's jersey. The next, they're wearing the oppositions, but whatever. I kind of like it. The coach sacking, not so much, but the fluid movement of players, it's like, hey, Brent Naden at the Tigers, why not? Tigers could definitely use someone like Brent Naden, so it will be interesting to see whether they name him in the squad come the weekend. Looking at the ins and outs, Jock Madden comes in for Luke Brooks, who's injured, so Jock Madden playing 5'8", 
And Asu Kapoa, he comes into the centres with Luke Garner moving from the centres to his more preferred position of the second row. And we see New Brown. He's been named on the bench, formerly a Cronulla Shark, spent time at the Bulldogs as well before going over... Trying to think where he played. Maybe Lee Centurions or like Featherstone Rovers. He went over. He didn't play for like an English club of much note. And then I think he came and started this year at the Roosters in the North Sydney Bears. I thought he was in the Roosters setup. Somewhere along the line, he's come into the Tigers setup, played a couple of games for their New South Wales Cup side, and he's on the bench. So round 11, NRL sides can start using guys from outside their top 30 who play in like their reserve grade side and things like that. And so here we see a perfect example of that. New Brown comes onto the bench. He'll probably cover dummy half, I'd say, with Jake Simpkin moving out of the side with injury and Jacob Little coming back in. So I'd say New Brown, look, he can cover a variety of positions, can play 5'8", he can play dummy half. I believe he can play lock forward as well. So he should be a bit of a point of difference for the Tigers off the bench. And looking at the Bulldogs, Jake Avarillo, who didn't play last weekend. He's a bit of a point scorer, so he's a good addition. Comes into the centres for Brent Naden, who now is on the Tigers bench, funnily enough. And Corey Waddell for the Bulldogs is out with a HIA. And Jackson Tobinay is in for the Bulldogs, who's a quality young star. It's very unenviable, this game. No one's really like, damn, I wish I was fucking suiting up for that game. Um, yeah, 15th versus 16th. It's, and look, this is no disrespect to the clubs or the fans of the club. I go for the Warriors and I'm like, wow, how are we not 15th or 16th? But we've had a few wins in there. And like, judging by like how I've seen the Warriors playing and where we're sitting at this point, it does kind of make me think like, wow, have I not been paying as much attention to like how sides like the Tigers and the Bulldogs are really playing? And I put some money on the Tigers against the Cowboys. And that was the first time I properly, really, truly paid attention. I didn't like what I saw. I didn't see much of the Bulldogs' Knights game, but JJ did. JJ didn't like what he saw. I will watch this one. Uh, it's at Leichhardt. <laughs> yeah, I have faith in this one. And, yeah, I, I don't know. JJ, do you think that the Knights-Bulldogs game was worse than the Tigers-Titans game that we watched? Where there were, like, oh, no tries? The Tigers-Titans game, no, that was just completely awful. Yeah, okay, that's yeah. good to know. Okay, yeah. well, yeah, a little bit of magic in the Magic Round game. I'm hoping this is out of the kind of dud games we've seen. Hopefully this is the biggest banger of the duds. Hopefully that is its appeal and the draw. The biggest thriller of the duds. Tigers and the Dogs. Uh, where am I at? I am at ah grim for losers. I wrote very grim for losers. I think that's pretty self-explanatory. Pretty grim for the losers. For the winners, NRL. It's funny like that. Whoever wins, Mick Potter wins. It'll be like, dude, the dogs fuck sports. You know, like dogs fucking headache. Do they sign mastermind interim coach or something? Who knows? Like, honestly, who knows? Like, whoever wins, Madge wins. It's like, Madge, the right man to turn the Tigers around. It's like, when you guys, like, didn't you guys want to get him fired, like, heavily for, like, the last couple of years? Anyway, anyway, it's not all about that. But at some some points with, like, this Trent Barrett thing, it seems like it is about that. 
It seems like that is like such a big part of it. And I don't truly understand why. And maybe that's a goal to get to the point where I truly understand why. And then I can articulate what the fuck is going on. Because right now, I don't know. I'll definitely be listening to Phil Gould's podcast. I'll come and give some extra insight on the NRL Power Hour podcast this Sunday. Um, But yeah, I'm interested to see what Phil Gould has to say. Because he is right on the inside of operations. He's not afraid as well, unless it's like legally binding information. He's not afraid to like speak about these things. So I'll be very interested to listen in on that. Looking in at my X factor for this game, Matt Burton, or is it Mick Potter? Who knows? But Matt Burton, I think this goes either way. Either Matt Burton is the X factor and he tears the Tigers apart, or he's really down. Trent Barrett, like he's had success working under him before he came to the club to work under Trent Barrett. He's left the Penrith Panthers and look how they're going. And maybe this week, you know, it, it, maybe this is the first time where he's actually like, what is the direction of this club? Because the Trent Barrett, at least with him there, it was like, there was, seemed like there was some kind of direction. And it's like, hey, Kikau and Mani are coming next year. And yeah, that's not like going to turn everything around, but it takes time. And now for Matt Burton, like, I'm expecting him to be the X Factor, but I'm not going to heap shit on him if he has a really poor game here because, yeah, I'm sure he's like, holy shit, what is the direction of this club? Uh, I don't know. I'm interested if Matt Burton knows. What I do know is that my point of difference, and I don't know which way this leans me in favor of, point of difference, the coach sacking response. Like I just mentioned, like, how do the players respond? Does Matt Burton have a great game? Because he's like, damn, like, shit. Like, I think it is a bit of a slap in the face where they're like, holy fuck. Not a lot of these guys other than Matt Burton, who there's even been rumors maybe he moves away from the club in a year or so. Um, No one's safe. Nobody's safe. Josh Jackson, I think they'll keep around just because... He works so hard, and I don't mind that. I actually really like Josh Jackson as a player, but, like, nobody's safe. There's already talk Matt Dufty probably off to the Super League, Paul Vaughan, and, yeah, like, nobody's position is safe. Josh Adokar probably, like, there's a couple where it's like, yeah, but other than that, pretty much everyone throughout their top 30, no one's safe. And that message, like, Trent Barrett seemed like he was safe. I didn't think he shouldn't have been safe, so... Um, yeah, what the fuck? No, no one's safe. I'm like, now I feel unsafe. If that can happen to Trent Barrett, what's stopping me from coming in? I, I, at my job, I'm much less promising prospect than Trent Barrett. I could walk in there tomorrow and they'll be like, mate, uh, we've just got a crisis meeting upstairs. I'm like, holy fuck. General unsafety, my goodness. Uh, Trent Barrett, but you know what? He did. He quit. You can't fire me. I quit. Maybe that's what I need to go and do, go in tomorrow. I fucking quit. Anyway, 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 key battle, attack. These these sides look defense. Let's not sit here and be like, this is going to be a defensive grind. They need to hold on to the ball and they need to score some fucking points. Both sides. That is what's going to win the game here. Like, I don't expect the defense to be groundbreaking and they need points, specifically the dogs as well. That's an area where they've really struggled I think Matt Burton, a guy like Matt Dufty as well, he's someone who can provide points. And for the Tigers, they need to work out where their points are going to come from. 
My opinion on this game, I just wrote, who knows? Question mark. Question mark. A lot of question marks, really. Best way that I can explain it. But my prediction, I am going to be taking the Bulldogs over the Tigers. Why? I'm not exactly sure. But I'm going with the dogs, Mick Potter. And the coach sacking response, not much explanation for this pick. But I've given plenty of the preview, so I'm sure you can work out parts of why. But yeah, I don't even really know why. But... I'm going to be taking the Bulldogs over the Tigers. I've seen what the Tigers have to offer and paid close attention to that. Didn't like what I saw. And Mick Potter, it's a new era at the Dogs. The Mick Potter era. I'm taking the Dogs to get it over the Tigers. JJ, where, where are you at with this one? I don't even know what to say at this point. What to say, what to say. Well, what I do know is that... Bulldogs won't be scoring many points, I don't think. Uh, I'm going to make a bold prediction now. Two tries are under. I uh, just don't see the creativity there. Burton's definitely trying hard. He's taken a little bit longer to get into the flow of it. Uh, unfortunately, it's only been 10 games before they've gone and like pulled the rug out from under him. And had you know now, if he truly was there for Trent Barrett, now that he has to rethink that situation. It's all a bit of a mess, and it just... It screams like back-end um, mismanagement, I'd say. But not not to dwell on that any longer. Um, we'll get a good insight into what the players thought about Trent Barrett, which will be good, like whether they do lift or not, like you say, the point of difference. Uh, I'm expecting that they don't lift, unfortunately. I think there's going to be confusion. Um, as I said, I think there's going to be confusion in attack. The Tigers have proven susceptible. Um to, like their defense hasn't there's definitely not been their standout but the tigers i do believe a bit in their attack so we've, we've kind of got the tigers attack versus the bulldogs defense that's kind of where i see it like playing out um but at this moment in time i believe more in the tigers for sure i think luke brooks is warming nicely into the season luke brooks isn't playing oh okay luke brooks isn't playing so <laughs> there you go well i'm just gonna think on the fly I'm not going to change my pick. I'm still going to go for the Tigers. The Bulldogs are complete shambles. They can't be any better than last week. So, And that was a completely dismal performance. I watched that pretty closely because um, I was betting on the Bulldogs. So, yeah, Tigers for mine. But this is the Spoon Bowl, so anything can happen. All right. Now moving on to the next game, the Friday night game. And also, quick note, JJ has actually left the building. This is the second day. Uh, and quickly as well, I'm about to move out of this place. So the, living in this place has been the main reason why timing's been a little off and everything like that. But this is the last week of it. So yeah, if you can hang tight, I'm going to smash out all my stuff, keep it all up to date, not run behind. And yeah, from next week onward, it is going to get really, really good. But you know what's going to be really, really good as well? It is going to be the Friday night game. The sixth place Eels hosting the ninth placed Manly Seagulls. And one other thing I noted down overnight, I didn't realize it was Indigenous round. So absolutely, that is something that needs to be mentioned. Indigenous round, huge round for the NRL. I mean, you think about all the great Indigenous players over time. I mean, guys like Arthur Beetson, if you want to take it back a little bit. If you want to go more recent, Jonathan Thurston, Greg Inglis, guys like Matt Bowen. Uh, and it's it's just incredible. Latrell Mitchell, Josh Adokar, Josh Curran, who one of my favorite warriors, most definitely. So yeah, 
Indigenous round, definitely one that is going to excite. And one thing I haven't noted in the podcast, expect a huge lift from the Indigenous players. This is the round where they really get that extra boost. And I expect them all to be very, very fired up. And look, every player is going to be fired up, but it's it's something special. And to be honest, uh, because I'm not Indigenous, I can't fully encapsulate just what it means to them. But like when you hear them talk about it, firsthand it's it's pretty incredible what it does mean to them awesome jersey designs as well a lot of cool cultural stuff throughout the weekend too so indigenous round definitely keen to get around this one eels and manly at formerly banquest i don't know what they're calling it now combank or some shit always banks but sixth place eels up against the ninth place manly seagulls who were my cause for concern on the nrl power hour podcast the magic round review and i've i've been not concerned about the seagulls at all in fact i've been betting on them but i was holding off but the fact that they haven't beaten a top eight side definitely has been lingering in my mind it was going into that brisbane broncos game and they were absolutely destroyed 38 nil so now all of a sudden i am concerned about the seagulls going into the season when i did my uh, season preview predictions podcasts at the start of the year before the season had started uh, I actually said look I put Manly in fourth but I said if there is any team to have like a shock season that we don't see coming and miss the eight I think it could be the Seagulls so I am a little bit concerned overall I did put them fourth so I, I think they can work it out but now I, I don't think they can come fourth because they can't beat a top eight side and already they've lost enough ground to the point where I doubt they can get themselves into the top uh, top four. Top eight, most definitely. That's the goal. But yeah, Seagulls, all of a sudden, not exactly sure where they stand in the grand scheme of this season. Another point of concern for Manly is Tom Trebojevic. He just did not look quite right last weekend against the Broncos. He's had injuries. It's, yeah. Look, I know enough media outlets and things have spoken about it throughout the week, but like... Uh, I just don't know why you risk him. I really don't know why you risk him. You need him at full tilt and it's about working out the plan B. It's like you've got exciting young stars and yeah, they have had some really tough losses and the young stars are still developing. But I think like, you know, if Ruben Garrick is the next man up, I think you've just got to bite your tongue and go Ruben Garrick or bite the bullet rather. I don't think you need to bite your tongue. Um, and just like put Ruben Garrick to fullback or Toletau, Cola, or fucking Dylan Walker. But like whatever you do, just make sure Tom Trebojevic is right to go. That is definitely a concern of mine going into this one in what should be a very physical game against Parramatta. Is Tom Trebojevic right to go? Is he 100%? I would say he's definitely not. Now, are there going to be multiple, pretty much all the guys on the field, not actually at 100% carrying all sorts of different injuries or niggles. Well, definitely. That is definitely the case. He's not the only one who is not at 100%, but he looks well below 100%. So that is definitely the concern. I think if he comes out and he's sluggish in this one, then just rest him. There's so much season to go. You should be able to make finals without just one player. Like you can't, base your whole team's success around just one player and it's absolutely not their back rowers are awesome their 
like front rowers get the job done. Definitely, you've got Jake Trebojevic, one of the best defensive players in the game. Lachlan Croker, a bit of an interesting number nine selection, but yeah, the Seagulls. I, I definitely think they need to work out a plan to get to finals without Tom Trebojevic, if need be, because right now they are running a thin line because it could definitely an injury could happen at any moment and they're sitting ninth so if tom comes out and plays this weekend and gets injured and like can't play for a number of weeks then ninth so yeah i just i'm I'm really not sure hopefully he comes out and has a mad game though as for the Parramatta eels i've said all season i'm prepared to say that they are the real deal despite still having some shit the bad moments in them They're the only side who've beaten the Panthers so far. They have beaten the Melbourne Storm as well, as well as beating them a couple of times last year and pushing Penrith to the absolute limit in the final series last year. So Parramatta, despite what many people perceive them as, I think they are genuinely the real deal. Come finals time, there are going to be a handful of teams. And yes, obviously it looks like it's going to be a Storm Panthers grand final but you just don't know in the final series there are plenty of contenders throughout the entire competition a few pretenders as well but now all of a sudden you've got sides like the Broncos and the Cowboys where they are well past pretenders level they are now in contention you can't deny that they are contending especially the Cowboys sitting third but both sides now contenders and come finals, like, we really don't know. We don't know exactly how good the Cowboys are. Or maybe it's a bit overblown. We'll find out a lot about that against the Storm. But at this point, it's like, wow. If the Cowboys keep getting better, it's incredible that a lot of teams are a threat. Manly Seagulls, most definitely. But they need Tom Trebojevic there during the final series if they really want to go all the way. They haven't even beaten a top eight side. So that is a really, really poor start. For the Eels, I think they can get it done against the best sides. They've shown they can do that. So come final series, they are absolute contenders. I think that makes this a very big game for Manly. But I said that the last couple of weeks. I said that with the Broncos, and they got smacked 38-0. Now they're going to go up against a side in the Eels, who I think the Eels definitely have the ability to put a lot of points on the Seagulls if Manly aren't careful. So... Desi, interested to see what his game plan is. Manly, as I mentioned, getting a hiding at the hands of the Broncos, 38 to nil. Whilst the Eels, they lost to the Roosters, but I predicted that one. I thought that the Eels, they gave it everything to beat the Panthers. It's a really tough ask to then come up to Magic Round and play the Roosters. And they went really, really well despite losing the Eels. So much better signs from Parramatta up in these first 10 rounds than Manly. So that... I put Parramatta in my preseason prediction as sixth place because I just couldn't trust them. Um, but Manly, yeah, as I said, I put them in fourth place, but they were the one. I was like, if there's a season that people don't really see coming, I thought it could be Manly. And I listed a lot of the reasons in the preview. I won't go through a lot of them here, but depth was one and just the, the balance of the team. It's hard to quite articulate now. Uh, I thought Dummy Half, whilst Lachlan Croker is doing a phenomenal job, I thought there's just there's some edge missing and they've got a lot of punch throughout that team. But my idea was more if there are a few injuries and preseason, I was thinking because of COVID, we didn't know what the COVID disruptions were going to be like. Turns out not super relevant at this stage in the season. It's happened a few times, but 
I really wasn't sure if Manly's depth was tested, how they're going to go. The Blacktown workers in the New South Wales Cup haven't been going very well at all, So, and that's putting it pretty nicely. So it's not like there are heaps of emerging talents. There are some really quality young stars, but yeah, there are young stars already in this team developing, plying their craft. So all of a sudden, if someone like Cherry Evans foreign goes down, you see Schuster in the halves, and then. But if it's like a foreign and Cherry Evans are down, then who? Tom Trebojevic is down, then who? And we're seeing different different matchups, and it's it's not as a solid a unit as it was last year. Think of like Morgan Harper, who's back this week. Last year he was such a permanent fixture in that side, whereas this year, you know, he's really battling for that position. So Manly Seagulls not looking like the side we saw in 2021. And Parramatta look definitely contenders. So we see as well Mike Sivo. He has just extended his deal. So amid talk, he may be going to Rugby Union on a fat cash deal or something like that. Mike Sivo, he sees the vision with the Parramatta Eels. That is a huge retention, given that they're letting players like Reed Marnie go. And wow. Yeah, I actually thought he was going to go. So Mike Sivo, that is awesome that he's going to be staying for Eels fans. And he's been named in the extended reserves, named as well to make his return through New South Wales Cup. So Mike Sivo going to be playing New South Wales Cup this weekend. The opposing winger would check the team lists and be like, oh, fuck's sake, like, come on, seriously? But Mike Sivo actually, he got his start in the New South Wales Cup with the Panthers, and he was just this mad try scorer. I remember watching a lot of the games and just being like, holy shit, this guy's really good. And he Panthers just had a lot of guys coming through, and it was a really, really good pickup from the Eels. They got him for probably minimum wage. Like, he was didn't wasn't a name or anything at that stage. So massive pickup from the Eels. That is like a great get when you look at that from the New South Wales Cup and his days there and to what he is now. And now he's going back down to New South Wales Cup and he was fucking insanely good when he played New South Wales Cup. So I'd say, yeah, I'd just, if I was the right winger for whoever they're playing this weekend, I'd be like, oh gosh, uh, that's where I'd try to do the COVID disruption. I'd, yeah, I'd try and I'd be like, I, I need to get, I need to isolate, I'm sorry. Anyway, onto this game. Mike Sivo won't be playing in this one. We see that Ryan Matteson has been named to start at lock forward. Nathan Brown reverts to the bench, and that is an awesome move. Ryan Matteson has been killing it. He's played in the middle previously in his career. I've seen him do it at the Tigers, but he's mainly been an edge forward for the Parramatta Eels. There was talk they weren't even going to re-sign him, but now this move into the middle has totally rejuvenated his career. He is, like, perfect for that modern day number 13 role. Now there are talks, Parramatta definitely keen to re-sign him. He's been one of the great players of the competition in the last few years. Wouldn't be out of place on the bench in an origin side either. Can play in the middle on an edge. Came through the ranks as a young half, so he does have a lot of ability. I think that plays perfectly into the modern day number 13 position. As I said, Mike Sivo, he is gonna be playing New South Wales Cup. And Bryce Cartwright, I assume, is going to be dropping down to New South Wales Cup. He is out with Murata Niukore returning to the side. For the Seagulls, we see that Tom Trebojevic has been named at fullback. So, yeah, they're going to run run the risk there. I don't know, though. I'm not a fucking doctor or anything like that. So he could be 
absolutely fine. Maybe it was just a tackle during the game, but I am I am quite skeptical of this one. And his brother, Ben Trebojevic. Wow, they're really pushing these Trebojeviches. Ben Trebojevic out with an injury. Seems like he'll be out for quite a bit of time as well. But great start to his career. Very young. So best still yet to come. And Morgan Harper. He will come into the right center position. Quality player. I definitely think he'll bounce back from that Sifa Talakai embarrassment. Uh, Morgan Harper is a player that I really like. Another player that I really like. Josh Schuster. Looks like he's going to be jumping into the 5'8 jersey next year with Karen Foran departing, but he is returning this week in the back row. So yeah, awesome player. Huge fan of Josh Schuster. And we see that Andrew Davey starts. So Ethan Bullimore is out and Andrew Davey into the side. Bullimore is the 18th man. And yeah, jumping on to some quick talking points. Talked about it already a little bit, but the impending return of Mike Acevo is huge. A lot of injuries to left-wingers for the Parramatta Eels this year, and they're going to be a much better side for having Mike Acevo. So that is a big, big boost for the Eels coming up. And if they can get the win here, well, they sit pretty nicely on the ladder. So Parramatta Eels building a lot better than Manly at this stage of the season. And that leads me to believe that, well, Manly could miss the eight. That is a definite possibility. Their side, too good. Cherry Evans, one of the best halfbacks in the game. Foran plays his best football at Manly and his best football is fucking elite as hell. And yeah, they have a quality team. Their whole team is quality, but I, I, they're the ones I'm just a little bit concerned about and I can't quite put my finger on why, but yeah, we'll see how it plays out because it's, there's so much season to be played and they are far too good a side to be missing the eight. I did say in the end that I had them in fourth position I thought they'd work it out, but by this at this point, just quickly looking back, I'm like, they're not going to make top four. I can say that right now quite confidently because they can't even beat a top eight side. So that is really going to count toward the end of the year. They need to beat a top eight side. Parramatta Eels, absolutely, that passes the test. If you beat Parramatta, that eases a lot of the pressure. So massive pressure on Manly here, whereas for the Eels, if they can let the shackles off and play some really, really pressure-free footy, well, I think the Eels, they could score a few points here. Manly, it's it's really hard to tell what kind of Seagulls side are going to show up. This is a rivalry game, so you know it's going to be physical. You definitely know there's going to be a bit of an animosity as the game builds on. And, ah, oh, geez, speaking of animosity, so I've got a uh, UFC, doing a UFC podcast as well. I just had something on in the background. Uh, fucking it was the Conor McGregor Khabib fight and when literally I wasn't even watching the fight but it just ended when everyone jumped over the cage and everyone just starts attacking each other holy shit that just caught my eye out of nowhere speaking of animosity goodness gracious but let's get back to the game my point of difference for this one the Parramatta's eels and it's their ability to defeat top sides I've spoken about it week after week, Manly Seagulls and their inability to defeat the best sides. Whereas the Eels, I've also spoken about, look, they have the ability to lose to the worst sides, but they've been pretty consistent with competing against the best sides and winning. They lost against the Roosters, but were very competitive, coming off the back of defeating the Panthers. Only side to do that in fucking ages, dating back to last year. So Rabbitohs, during the first week of the final series, I believe, 
were the last side to beat the Panthers. Uh, the Panthers, Panthers series. What the fuck? Um, but yeah, so Eels, Manly. This one definitely a tricky one to work out exactly how it's going to play out, but definitely leaning toward the Eels because of everything that I mentioned. And yeah, point of difference, just the Parramatta Eels' ability to defeat the top sides. My X factor, going to go a little bit different here. Tom Trebojevic, look, if he's not 100%, Clint Gutherson. I'm going with King Guther. Now, he doesn't have as much X factor as Tom Trebojevic or like your Kellen Pongers or things like that, but he is all effort. He's all determination. He's such a competitor. And that is his X factor. Like he's one of the best support players in the game. Just pops up on every spot in the field. And Clint Gutherson, look, if Turbo doesn't make a dent in this game, if he's not 100% and he's struggling to physically engage himself, well, King Gutho, he is a major X factor for the Eels. Obviously, they're halves and dummy half. Like the whole spine is a big part of it. But I think Clint Gutherson could be primed for a really big game against the club that gave him his start. Let's not forget Clint Gutherson, a Manly Seagulls junior. At one stage, they were potentially looking at him being their long-term fullback, but it was not to be. He landed at the Eels. And yeah, wow, the rest was history. And now captain of the Parramatta Eels, an absolute cult figure. Beyond a cult figure, like definitely, you wouldn't say he's a legend now and he doesn't have a premiership under his belt. But like, you know, if he keeps playing the way he's playing for another couple of years, then we'll look back at him. Like Parramatta fans will look back at him as a legend, you know, he gave us all for, for his club. So his effort, his determination, leadership, everything is Clint Gutherson's X factor. Rather than just the flashy plays or the big step or scoring some tries, it's it's that effort and there's like something inside him, the competitor. So that definitely an X factor. I'm expecting a big game from Gutherson. And my key battle in this one, the halfbacks organizing the game, organizing their team, telling players which spots to get to on the field, handling a lot of the kicking as well. Daily Cherry Evans up against Mitch Moses. They are going to have a huge hand in who wins this game. Most Both are in incredible form. Like, Daily Cherry Evans has been one of, if not the Seagulls' best, in a side that's had a stuttering start to the season. Whereas Parramatta, Mitch Moses looks amazing and he is complimented excellently by Dylan Brown. But then, I mean, fucking dropping my phone, goodness gracious. You want to talk about complimenting excellently? Well, Daily Cherry Evans partnered by Kieran Foran. So. Yeah, that is the, the halves in general is going to be a massive battle, but especially the halfback position, Mitch Moses up against DCE. And look, I'm losing faith in Manly. I haven't totally lost faith, but I did have concerns going into the season. And then as the season started to unfold, I was like, nah, this is how I was expecting it to kind of go. Have a couple of losses at the start against the top sides and then work their way into form, beat lower sides, but I thought they'd be beating a couple of the top eight sides here or there, and they, they haven't been. So now I'm definitely starting to lose faith in the Manly Seagulls. And whilst I don't trust the Parramatta Eels, I do have faith in them. I do have faith that this could be a 2022 Premiership winning side. There's, I mean, much better teams ahead of them, but they're definitely in with a shot. And when I say there's much better teams ahead of them, the first two I think of, Panthers, Storm, Eels, 
beat them both this year. So definitely take that into consideration. I'm sure you already have. I definitely have. And my prediction for the Friday night game just simply has to be the Parramatta Eels. Until Manly beat a top side, or a top eight side rather, I actually don't know if I can predict them or pick them, you know? I, I really don't. Because they've every time they've failed. And I have picked them. I picked them against the Broncos. And they failed miserably. And now I'm like, okay, now I'm starting to truly believe this flat track bullies thing and believe that Manly maybe not a bigger threat as everyone believed going into this season. So it is concerning. Des Hasler, I don't have much concerns with the actual playing group or the coach. I, I think it's an awesome team. So I'm not exactly sure how the season plays out. I'm not overly concerned of the level of like a coach is going to get sacked here or like, Daily Cherry Evans needs to go, or like, you know, it's not that level of concern, but it's they were coming into the season with premiership aspirations, so they should definitely be concerned in that regard. Taking the Parramatta Eels over Seagulls for I just spoke about it for fucking ages. Now I'm sure you can work out why, but definitely going Eels over Manly. Now, jumping on to Super Saturday. Nervous about this one as a Warriors fan. We are in 11th place. Going up against the home side, the 12th place Dragons, who... Look, ah, I don't know. I guess their future looks promising. A bit more promising than the Warriors. Uh, I don't know. Both, both have promising signs, but that hasn't been enough in season 2022. Both have top eight aspirations. They're... Drifting a little bit outside the eight, like they can make it, but Dragons may be more likely. Warriors, I've said they're not top eight material. They have kind of come out. They're just about to go back and play in Auckland, and I do think that'll be a huge lift. It's about a month away, and the Warriors from this game onward are targeting a really big lift for the next four games, but I've said so far, yeah, I'm, I'm going back. On, and my preseason prediction, I said they were fifth. It's the first year I've ever done this, and I just said, I'm not going against my team first year. I'm not going to go. It was preseason. I'm like, I'm not going to go. I was going to say ninth, but I'm like, I'm not going to go against my team and bag them before the season's even started. But now we're 10 rounds into the season, and yeah, fifth. I, I, look, like, I look like a dickhead for saying fifth, uh, and I kind of thought that might happen, but again, as us Warriors fans do, we kept the faith, waiting for the faith to be repaid, but definitely this iteration of the Warriors, the effort's there. And sometimes, yeah, they tune in and out of games, but for the most part, like the way they go about the business or their business, the business, uh, geez, what are they doing? Uh, the way they go about like their business and they tackle and they run hard, like most of the time, the intent is there, the, the effort is there, but... I don't know. I didn't. I know we're going to back Nathan Brown in, but and I've said like you know that the coach. I've talked all about coaches and how coaches maybe aren't the problem, but Nathan Brown as the coach of the Warriors, I just, I don't know. I don't know. I had. I thought we should be playing better. We should be playing a lot better. And it's like yeah, there are the COVID complications and things like that. But then I think and like being away from home for three years, but. You look at how Todd Payton handled the side and how good they were when Todd Payton coached them for a very brief time. And they've definitely gone backwards since then. Someone like Josh Curran, though, 
you could argue definitely has gotten significantly better. So I'm willing to give Nathan Brown some time. Jack Murchie, another one who has definitely like had a lot of potential, um, a lot of errors in his game, kind of couldn't get a first 17 spot regularly. And now, now he looks like he's really developing. So maybe, maybe this is a bit of a longer, longer haul approach and give Nathan Brown the time to develop the right guys. But Anthony Griffin, that is kind of his specialty at the Dragons, a coach which Nathan Brown has played for and coached. And yeah, Hook, look, he did it at the Broncos, he did it at the Penrith Panthers, and now he is doing it at the Dragons, bringing young guys through, developing the squad, but he's never been able to see these plans out. He develops the young kids, he plays them, but didn't get kept on at the Broncos. I believe that was when they brought Wayne Bennett back to the club. Uh, from memory, a couple of years ago. And then the Panthers and the unceremonious sacking by Phil Gould. And yeah, Anthony Griffin now getting a shot at the Dragons. But the the, the media, I have heard rumblings at times, like at Anthony Griffin, like fucking all it takes is a loss here or another loss. And the, the articles have come out. That's why it's just like, uh, I don't know. I don't like it. I don't like it. Even like when I was talking about Nathan Brown, great example. Like I actually really don't know whether he is the right coach for the Warriors. We don't look great under him, but I just don't like all the like, you know, this coach has to go. Here's who should come in. It's like, hey, like, yeah, there has been positive developments and the Dragons, that I guess is the best way to gauge Anthony Griffin and the job he's doing. And it's, I'm not sure, because, yeah, Tyrell Sloan, that whole thing has been a mess. And now Cody Ramsey in at fullback this weekend. Talatau Amone retained, and he is a young superstar. Hasn't been playing his best, but he's very young, playing in a key position. So is Tyrell Sloan. And you've got Jaden Sullivan on the bench. But right now, like, you can't say they've shown a whole lot of improvement on what they showed last year in their first glimpse of NRL. So Anthony Griffin and the Dragons, look, to be determined, they they tailed the Warriors up in round one, and I've noticed that every side this year that has played a side twice, the side who won the first time has won the second time. So all signs pointing toward a Dragons win here. And if the Spoon Bowl is taken this weekend, well... This one is the Coach Killer Cup, no doubt. Let's not forget as well, Nathan Brown, Warriors coach, his famous slap when he was the head coach of the Dragons, slapped his star player across the face. Star player, Trent Barrett. Yeah, funny, small world. Small world we live in, but that was a huge moment in Nathan Brown's time at the Dragons. No doubt that'll be replayed this weekend. And yeah, I'm sure if Trent Barrett on the very off chance that he decides to tune into Fox Sports, well, then he'll see vision of him getting slapped in the face and he'll be like, man, come on, come on. Also, just quick note on Trent Barrett. I listened to Phil Gould's podcast. He talked a little bit about it. Barrett deciding to step down from the role. Uh, Just felt it was getting a bit much. Couldn't really see his way out and thought it was best to hand it over to someone else. So Mick Potter, is that someone else? I touched on that briefly before, but yeah, I learned some more information, so I thought I'd get that out there while I could. Back to the Dragons and Warriors. Mentioned that Dragons got the win in round one, and looking at their last games, the Dragons, 
very disappointing in their dragon in their dragon point golden point lost to the titans they fought valiantly but yeah the titans just had a little bit more strike Jaden campbell had a phenomenal game so titans just working out how to utilize those young guys a little bit better than the dragons were and experienced players stepping up in what was a very tough game as for the warriors shit first half against the rabbitos like cody walker just tore us up not impressed that was where i was like okay yeah no we're definitely not a top eight side i've wanted to believe i've wanted to believe and there's still a chance but like seeing that i was like and then we came back and it was 32 to 30 but we were never a chance of winning that game like we 32 to 30 doesn't tell the true story of the game so yeah very disappointed i'm expecting disappointment here this weekend as well let's get to the ins and outs i'm not going to dwell i'm actually in a very good mood so let's not dwell on the disappointments in life for the dragons cody ramsey as i mentioned he is going to jump into the fullback jersey there were talks last year when matt dufty was being moved on that cody ramsey who is a preferred fullback in his mind uh, that was the move that was going to be made but sloan with some mouth-watering form so he kind of got the jump start but cody ramsey they're going to roll with that now Moses Embai, he stays at dummy half with Andrew McCulloch out. Tyrell Sloan is out as well. So yeah, Anthony Griffin, he brings these young kids through, but he's yet to see a plan through or really have it come to fruition. You could argue that Penrith, he did have a huge hand in that. So I'm very intrigued as to the long-term narrative of Anthony Griffin's coaching career. We see as well Jack Gazeski starts for the Dragons in the back row. All three back rows for the Dragons, named Jack. There's a bit of a stat for you. And yeah, Gajewski, or Gajewski, uh, I think that's how you say it. It's a bit of a tricky one. Uh, look, he's a very quality player. Been going very, very well in New South Wales Cup this year as well. So look, he's getting a reward for form and effort. And I think he could be a bit of a danger side or a bit of a danger player. So got to think about what I'm saying. Bloody hell. Uh, but Gajewski on that edge, he's someone I can see like... If you want to have a punt, I can definitely see Warriors letting him score a try, letting him run straight through. So Jack Gazeski could be a very cheeky little anytime try scorer if you are so inclined to look that way. And we see on the bench the younger brother of Francis Molo, Michael Molo. He's had to go the long way around to make his NRL debut, been grinding for a little bit, and yeah, he's landed at the Dragons, was going to say Cowboys, because that's where Molo, uh, Francis Molo came from this year. But no, he's at the Dragons, played for North De- North Devils in the Queensland Cup last year, where they were victorious. They were the Queensland Cup premiers. And Michael Molo was sensational, not just throughout the entire season, but in the grand final as well. He was, I think he won the best player, best on ground. Someone correct me if I'm wrong, but... Yeah, he's in the system, so Michael Molo to make his debut. I'm really keen to see how he goes. Hopefully not too well on debut against the Warriors, but then from then on, I wish him a great career because, yeah, he's a quality player and he's worked very hard to get to where he is. Playing alongside his brother as well, that will give him a huge lift, as well as giving Francis Molo a huge lift ahead of his battle up against Adam Fanua Blake and Matt Lodge. For the Warriors, Tohu Harris, he starts... He came off the bench last week. Maybe they roll with that again. I think that could definitely be the case. We see Jazz Tavanga has been named dummy half. Freddie Lossick on the bench. And Jack Murchie named at lock. 
Potentially, he slots in to the back row position and Tohu either starts at lock or drops to the bench and we see Aaron Penne start at lock. So that's modern day NRL. They name a team and then it's like, oh, but number 17 is going to fucking move here. We'll bring number 24 in. So yeah, that's just how we do it. I don't mind that. Also seeing that Ewan Aitken back in the side after withdrawing from the game last weekend. That's a big in for the Warriors. He's a former Dragon as well, so he'll get the big lift for this game. Playing in the back row, which I've got to say from Nathan Brown, it's actually working out as a great move for Ewan Aitken. We are very light on in the centers and the wings. But yeah, I actually really like the move. Again, that's come kind of like maybe Nathan Brown does need a bit of time. Obviously, Ewan Aitken, this will be his last season at the Warriors, but he's back for this weekend, a big inclusion. We see in the extended reserves as well, Chanel Harris-Tavita and Jesse Arthurs. One or both of them could come into the side on game day. So it'll be interesting. I'm sure every week I talk about the teams and then on game day, shuffle them around, don't they? So yeah, we could potentially see CHT or Jesse Arthurs come into the squad on game day. And let me talk a bit about Jazz Tavanga because it's his 100th game. Congratulations, Jazz Tavanga. He plays well beyond his weight, like, just goes so hard. He's a great player. I'm a huge fan of Jazz Tavanga and what he brings to the side. I really like him as a middle forward, and he'll be starting at dummy half in this game and then reverting into his role as a middle forward. And yeah, I just love the effort he brings. I'm so glad he's a warrior. Like, he is someone in the team. I'm always glad when Jazz Tavanga is on the team sheet, gives it his all. 100 games so yeah he worked really hard to get these games as well it wasn't like he was this guy coming through where they were like yeah this guy is playing every week like let's develop him and make him one of our stars like he worked really hard on the field to prove himself and now jazz tavanga he is one of the core members of the squad so jazz tavanga congratulations on 100 games and yeah he seems yeah like one or both i believe he would be both like he seems Never met him, but he seems like he would be funny as fuck. And also seems like he would be a massive pest. But I don't mind that. And I love that on the field when he's playing for the Warriors. And he's definitely toned that down this year. He's spoken about not wanting to get sent off and leave his team a man down. And look, Jazz to his credit, he has toned his game down really well where it hasn't affected his aggression in defense or attack. So congratulations to Tavanga on 100 games in the NRL. Not an easy feat. And a lot of, like Tim Sheens has said, you're not a true first grader until you've played 100 games. So Jazz Tavanga, no doubt a true first grader. Warriors, as, as a team, are they first graders? Is this organization a first grade organization? Well, it's definitely not a top eight top eight ones so yeah definitely first grade 100% no knock on the Warriors but not top eight material at the moment are the Dragons much better potentially yes potentially yes if I had to pick one of these sides to make the eight and have a bit of a run for it it would be the Dragons and I think most people would agree with me on that looking at the fullback situation for the Dragons you've got Ramsey now after having Embi dropping Sloan bringing him up and down from first grade, reserve grade, like that would definitely knock his confidence. Teletel, Amone, that just like, they were playing Bird at 5'8 for a bit and then they brought Amone back in and he had a poor game. He's young, like I'm not knocking him, but he had a poor game against the Titans. 
And now it's like, yeah, the way they're doing it and then Jaden Sullivan on the bench, it's just not working out the way I thought it did. And I tell you what, if any of these three players were at one of the quality sides like Penrith or the Melbourne Storm, they would be killing it at the moment without like, you know, it's not putting pressure on them. Like they don't have to be absolute game breakers. Like you look at Sam Walker at the Roosters and not everyone just absolutely kills it they need time to develop but at the moment just yeah the dragons i don't know something not doing it for me and as far as hooks dragons tenure look it hasn't been the best it hasn't been the worst but looking at uh, anthony griffin's overall coaching record okay sorry just navigating the google gee i'm like a fucking 80 year old man just struggling on the interwebs okay we've got anthony griffin's coaching reference up and i'm not going to knock like my coaching record would be fucking awful i'd get the sack i could never be an nrl coach so i am not throwing any disrespect i'm just trying to put a general idea and let's not forget these coaches have taken over clubs that haven't been successful that's why they've had to take over as coach so they're not supposed to be walking in i'm not expecting a winning record but anthony griffin at the dragons his record from 34 games according to wikipedia the most trusted source of knowledge so don't sue me if this is incorrect uh but 34 games as dragons coach 12 wins 22 losses so a win percentage of 35 percent well down on his win percentage at the brisbane broncos and panthers 53 percent at the broncos and 58 percent over at the panthers so 35% winning record for Anthony Griffin at the Dragons. The young kids, it, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Still definitely time. There's time on this one. No, I, I don't. The media will definitely put pressure on him if they continue to lose. But there's a bit of time. But yeah, with, with the way things are and the current climate of how NRL coaches are treated. Yeah, yeah. <sighs> I mean, if the winning percentage continues to dip, if it goes below 30 and into the 20s, yeah, damn. Well, now let's pull up, I was going to say on a brighter note, but um, maybe not. Uh, let's check Nathan Brown's record now. And largely, Nathan Brown, pretty good coaching record percentage-wise. At the Dragons, a record of 53% with quite a quality side. Huddersfield Giants in the Super League. Did he win a title? He actually might have fucking won a title over there. Let me suss. We're live Wikipedia-ing. Uh, he took the team to a Challenge Cup final. Okay, I think. Oh, and then he went to St. Helens. So, yeah. I think he won with St. Helens. That's right. Yeah, fucking hell. Nathan Brown was at St. Helens. Gee whiz. My memory failing me. But at St. Helens, he had a winning record of 63%. And then he took on a really, really hard Newcastle Knights job. Winning record of 26%, but I don't think anyone's judging him too harshly. Once, As soon as he finally started to kind of get his side off the ground or off the bottom of the ladder, they sacked him. So, yeah. Yeah, that one, not too bad. And a record of 38% at the Warriors. Uh, that's the Warriors in a nutshell. About a 38 winning percentage kind of team. So... Yeah, Nathan Brown, look, everywhere leading up to his night stint, which wasn't expected to be good, he was quite a quality coach, so 
I'm, I'm hoping, I'm hoping we got a good one here in Nathan Brown, but I'm still not fully sold. What I am sold on though is the Warriors halves situation going into next year. Huge fan of the signing of Luke Metcalf. Massive fan of the signing of Ronald Volkman, which is effective immediately as well. I cannot wait to see Volkman tear it up in Warriors colors. My X factor for this game, it's Ben Hunt. For the Dragons, he's their leader, he's their halfback, and he is the one who I think his, his footy mind and the way he can actually execute what he's thinking and what he's planning and actually physically execute it, I think Ben Hunt can cause the Warriors all kinds of issues. Warriors were the kind of side where we'll happily give a young kid like Talatawamone the chance to get some confidence. Hasn't been playing the best, but he is a quality, quality young footballer. So Warriors are one of those sides where they'll probably allow him to show that. So the halves could definitely cause us some headaches. Ben Hunt, the X factor for the Dragons, which at times he's been criticized, but now undeniable. He He's bringing that X factor in a side when they're not playing Sloan, Jaden Sullivan on the bench, Talatau Amone still developing as a player. So they're looking for that X factor. Ben Hunt definitely brings a bit of that. And my point of difference for the Warriors is Reese Walsh. Obviously, Cody Ramsey at fullback for the Dragons could have a stellar game, but the Dragons, they haven't even worked out what their go is with fullback. The Warriors have. Reese Walsh has been playing week in, week out, starting to step up, take more of a playmaking role as well. And I think Reese Walsh is a real point of difference here. If Cody Ramsey doesn't have a great game and he's physically out-muscled and doesn't make a lot of meterage and can't really do a lot of ball playing or execute things for his side and play his role. Well, I think Reese Walsh, he's someone who we know is going to be very hands-on in this game, trying to get the win for the Warriors. Very, very quick, very, very elusive as well. So Reese Walsh, he's someone who I'm expecting to have a big game if the Warriors are to win. And my key battle, defense, Warriors, I mean, I was happy with the signs they showed to fight back against the Rabbitohs, but the defense in the first half was awful. Like, that was very, very alarming. As for the Dragons, they've had a few defensive lapses themselves this season. Amongst some good wins as well, beating the Ro uh, Roosters. The Roasters? Uh, maybe. That could be a, a team, I guess. Um, but yeah, ultimately all week I was leaning toward going the Dragons just based on the fact that so far if a side has won against another side so far this season and they've played again, well, every time it's been that side going two from two. So I am expecting the Dragons to win this. Let me say that, but I am going to give my tip. Is it biased? Yes, it is. But I'm going the Warriors. If, if they want to have this big lift and build toward the return to Mount Smart, well, they got to start winning because the season is fading away. It's not too dire, but we do not look like a top eight side at all. In fact, more closer to a, or more close is not the right word, closer to a bottom four side. So I haven't been totally happy at all with the Warriors. They've been mediocre year after year after year. And much like any Warriors fan listening, we continue to keep the faith. I'm going to continue to support the boys. The Dragons, they're still building and there is a major lack of clarity around what their best 17 is. So whilst I think the Dragons are going to win, I'm going to be taking the Warriors, no doubt. I'll be cheering them on. I think this is a winnable game from them. And if we are serious about doing anything this year of any note, well, 
this is a game that is must win. So Warriors really hoping they get it done here. Very, very low levels of confidence, but they're my team. This is a bit of a biased one, more than a bit of a biased one, but Dragons up against the Warriors. Reluctantly, I am going to take the New Zealand Warriors, really, really hoping the boys can get it done. But Dragons, I mean, if you just go back and look at the round one game, you'd have to say Dragons a better side at this stage. Taking the Warriors though, so let's move on to the next game on Super Saturday. Alright, now it's time for the Saturday evening game. My housemate's just having a shower, so excuse if you can hear it. I don't know why our lounge is connected to the bathroom, but it is. And little secret, not going to say it too loud, but as I said, moving out next week. So, uh, yeah, doesn't matter. It doesn't matter, so last time, so get around it. But yeah, JJ's here as well. JJ actually rocked up. Uh, I said to say that, like, sounds negative. I don't know, he actually came. As I said earlier... Uh, it's a new day to when we actually started this podcast. So he's come over once again. And he said, why don't we just move into the lounge? There's a shower sound. And I said, man, it's one of the last few times. Fuck it. Fuck it. So let's get into one of the fucking best games of the weekend. One of the highlight clashes so far this year. It is in Townsville, the third place Cowboys. I have to pinch myself Every single time I say third place Cowboys, ah, have to pinch myself. Uh, and the second place Storm. This is going to be one hell of a contest. Storm at $1.52 odds on Ladbroke. So, look, juicy odds for the Storm, in my opinion. This is going to be a major test. How good are the Cowboys? Like, maybe we don't even know. Maybe they haven't even scratched the surface on actually how good they can be. And so this this is one hell of a contest. Third up against second. The Cowboys... Oh, it, I, don't, I Literally, it's hard to even sum it up what they've done this year. It has been absolutely incredible. They have been the biggest surprise of the 2022 season. And look, last up, they thrashed the Tigers. I actually tipped the Tigers, even though I'm very high on the Cowboys right now. Uh, but Cowboys, way, way, way too good. Murray Taolangi freakish during that game and five straight wins for the Cowboys who still sit in third place heading into round 11 so this is no you know flash in the pan start start to the season start to to start sorry Uh, start to the season this has been sustained over a fair few rounds now so the Cowboys it's just been incredible it really really has been incredible i hope cowboys fans are enjoying it like the led i always just think of the led sunglasses guy every time i'm like because he would be fucking loving it you don't go to that extent and that length if you don't fucking love it so cowboys on an absolute roll at the moment and as for the storm look they were absolutely just fucking teams up but there, there were things in there that Bellamy saw that he didn't like, and that kind of came to the surface up against the Panthers. Storm with a different makeup to their side as well. Remus Smith out, Ryan Pappenhausen out, uh, Jerome Hughes was out with Cooper Johns coming into the halves, and Panthers with pretty much their full complement of players, way too good, like actually head and shoulders above. So yeah, it wasn't just a close game. It was a bit of a shame because it would have been great to have like a very close, thrilling game. But nonetheless, that was just a statement from the Panthers. And for the Melbourne Storm, well, one of the elite teams of the comp. But still, 
Even the elite teams in the competition have plenty to improve on. So Craig Bellamy, no doubt going to be drilling that into his players going into this one. And for the Cowboys, well, they are going to be so pumped up. They know this is the test for them. And they, they're going to be very keen and willing. What I like about their squad, they've got some great experience. Jason Taubalolo, Chad Townsend, Valentine Holmes has been around for ages. Jordan McLean. And then they've got exciting young stars. Some origin bolters potentially for Queensland, like Jeremiah Nanai, Ruben Cotter, and Murray Tellungi. So they've just got this amazing kind of squad where they've got enough experience to guide them around the park. But these kids seem fearless this year. And last year, it was totally different. But this year, they just seem fearless. I feel like they're not going to be overawed by the fact they're taking on the Storm. There are some really key outs for the Storm. Pappenhausen's still out. Remus Smith, both of them out for quite a bit of time. And so Cowboys know this is their time to strike. And it's going to be a great chance for them to gauge exactly where they are at. Because... Storm and Panthers first and second, Cowboys are third. So all of a sudden they're like, holy shit, it's up to us. Like, it's actually on us. We are at their level right now. It's not a case of like, holy shit, we've got to go up against the Storm. It's like, well, we're third. They're second. These are the games. These are the games you fucking sign up to play. Sorry, I'm dropping a lot of F-bombs. My goodness. The conditions as well, that is definitely going to play a part. We've seen teams really struggle in the heat up against the Cowboys, both in Townsville and the Eels in Darwin with those kind of conditions. So look, if the Storm, like most of their players are absolute pros, elite players, but they do have some young stars in there and guys like Marion Seve. And it's, it's not the same Storm side that puts 70 on the Warriors. But, like, a lot of the same guys are there. Condition's definitely going to play a part, though, and that could really favor the Cowboys for a cheeky underdog. More than a cheeky underdog, actually. A monumental underdog upset. Craig Bellamy, though, he has lifted his players, announcing he's going to be re-signing and coaching again in 2023. So, I mean, that's awesome news for Storm fans. Craig Bellamy, the GOAT. Not much more I can say. I rate him so highly favorite coach or one of my favorite coaches in the entire game and what he's done with the Melbourne Storm has just been incredible so I'm excited for him to add another year to that chapter Craig Bellamy up against Todd Payton who at the moment you'd have to say has his nose in front to be named the Dallium coach of the year so it's going to be a great battle tactically how Todd Payton and Craig Bellamy prepare their sides for each other and yeah how they're going to actually play the game what style a storm going to come out hard and fast or are they just going to try and keep the ball possession safer things like that in the humid conditions sussing the ins and outs tyron wishart he has been retained in the fullback jersey for the storm it was a late switch last week he wasn't named there but ended up starting there had four handling errors during the game but it was like it was against the panthers but yeah definitely not his best performance he's much more preferred as a half or dummy half, but he's been deployed there, which I thought was really interesting given that Nick Meany, he's a, his first preference is to play fullback. So look, Tyron Wishart, he's been named at fullback. Dean Iremia on the bench. I'll be interested to see what they actually end up doing as far as that, whether there are late changes, any switches. Jerome Hughes back in the side as well with Cooper Johns dropping out. Cooper Johns not having his best game, 
by any stretch of the imagination up against the Panthers. Kind of exploited, but still developing, still developing. I've really liked what I've seen from him at Queensland Cup level. And, oh, small handwriting. What have I got here? Oh, hectic cheese starting at prop. Brandon Smith, like five years ago, if you say like Brandon Smith and guys like Ruben Cotter playing front row, would have got laughed out of the building. Now, these guys absolutely changing the game in the middle. Brandon Smith obviously expected to take dummy half duties at the Roosters next year. And he did say he wanted to be in a Roosters jersey. Couldn't wait. And yeah, the media spun that out of control. But Bellamy's like, okay, well, fuck it. If you want to play for the Storms, uh, Roosters so much, sorry, then you can play prop this season again. Fucking, there you go. Fucking play prop then. Whatever, if you love it so much. Uh, but yeah, huge fan of Brandon Smith there. That's just, uh, just having a laugh. And Big Nass, Nelson Asofa Solomona is out. So wish he was out when they played the Warriors and he fucking kicked to set up that try. Unfortunately not though, but Nass out for this one. Tuika Mika Mika on the bench. He is a gun as well. Seriously underrated player. Big in for the Melbourne Storm. And for the Cowboys, they've gone with the same 17. No changes from their team that got it done up against the West Tigers. Alright, and quick note, it's actually Thursday night, so the footy starting in one minute. I'll just piece together uh, at halftime the rest of this podcast, but it'll all be out. You'll get the Friday. You'll have everything. You already know this by now, but the footy starts in one minute, so I said I was going to finish this one first. Let me get a bit of a pace going here. Storm, room to improve, that's what I wrote. Scary prospect when the Melbourne Storm have room to improve. Uh, I'm just like, you guys, you, you just stay how you are. That's okay. You guys don't have to improve. I, 70 to 10 against the Warriors, like, no improvement, thank you. Uh, less of improvement, actually. Uh, Craig Bellamy, the extension, absolutely massive. He has set the foundation for one of the greatest sides we have ever seen over quite a long period of time as well. I'm expecting Storm to get a massive lift from Bellamy signing on next year. And look, they know that with Dolphins taking some of their players and things like that, Bellamy, he's not going to leave until he knows, I think, that he's left the club in very good hands. So the system that's, that's in place, a very good one for the Melbourne Storm. And for the Cowboys, they have been the success story of 2022. A lot of battles littered throughout both teams here. My point of difference... For the Cowboys, Scott Drinkwater with Tyron Wishart at fullback for the Storm. I think having someone who's a bit of a specialist in Scott Drinkwater is going to make a massive, massive difference. And let's not forget that injury was all that prevented Scott Drinkwater from being the first one to get a crack at that Melbourne Storm fullback jersey when he was there. Ryan Pappenhausen, the third string fullback. Jerome Hughes, he ended up getting the first crack, but it was supposed to be... Scott Drinkwater, so he's going to be up or out rather to haunt his old side. And Craig Bellamy, look, he's going to have an intimate knowledge of how Scott Drinkwater plays, so I'm sure he'll have a game plan as to how to shut him down. Key battle, obviously the halves, Cameron Munster and Jerome Hughes on return up against Tom Dearden and Chad Townsend, who the cohesion has been insane. Like they have been the best halves combination outside of like, you know, your Luai and Clary's and Munster and Hughes. But now they get a chance to say like, hey, we want bragging rights over Munster and Hughes. So that is going to be an unbelievable battle in the halves. 
My X Factor coming from that halves battle as well. Cameron Munster, I feel like he's going to have something special in that Queensland heat. Queensland heat, that's what Cameron Munster is all about. I'm keen to observe this game as a fan more than think about exactly how this is going to play out. No doubt North Queensland are very capable of winning this one. And yeah, we're going to see this weekend just how good the Cowboys really are up against one of the top sides of the competition. In saying that, look, I'm going to hold my fire in saying that the Cowboys are absolutely genuine contenders this year, but I have loved what I've seen. Ultimately, though, what I do know is that the Melbourne Storm, they are contenders, and I think they're going to be up for a big game. The Bellamy extension, the Panthers loss, it, it's, all, it's all pointing towards Storm getting their shit together and putting their best possible performance forward. So I'm going to be taking Melbourne Storm over the North Queensland Cowboys, and this is probably the game this weekend that I am most excited to watch. So going to be an absolute cracker, but taking the Storm over the Cowboys. Yeah, like what you said there, Mick. Definitely going to be an epic game. Yeah, you, you want to break it down, but you can see it both ways. I definitely like what you're saying about wanting to just watch the contest as a fan. Um, but I tend to agree. I think the Storm are going to be on the bit of the bounce back train. I think they'll have a plan for the Queensland conditions. They'll know what they're up against. They'll, they'll try to shut down the halves that have been firing, like you said, especially Townsend. Um, yeah. The Storm in this one, the only thing I'm hesitant about is the fact that there has been a little bit of chopping and changing, but they've had a full week to get that together. So I think the Storm are going to be just too good in a pretty close one. Up next, absolutely prime time. This is a big time game. We have the fourth placed Roosters starting to creep up the ladder up against the first placed Penrith Panthers. They have set the tone all year and they're saying, look, this is our competition to win. This is our title. We are the premiers. We are the defending premiers and we want to go back to back. And look, the Roosters, they were the last side to win back to back premierships. So this is going to be an elite game. And for me, look, the first thing I thought about was round one of the 2020 season. Look, the Panthers in 2019, things just did not go to plan. A horrid season, so much criticism of the coach and halfback partnership, father-son, Nathan Cleary and Ivan Cleary. But round one, 2020, the Panthers defeated, then back-to-back defending premiers, the Roosters, 20-14. to 10 of the 17 named that day for the Panthers are still there at the club and yeah they've got a massive regeneration going on at the moment as well with names like Isaac Tago and Taylor May at the absolute top of that list so look the Panthers that was when it all began they came out and yeah the rest was history 2020 an amazing season 2021 even better winning the premiership and now 2022 once again the Panthers providing a very special season for fans Last time out, as I've mentioned before, the Panthers absolutely dominant, making a statement with a win over the second place Storm in the biggest game of the regular season. It had, it felt like finals. It felt like a grand final, the, the grand final of the regular season. Like it had such an awesome feeling. Panthers significantly better than the Storm as well. And the Roosters getting it done over the Eels in a very competitive clash. So this game, 
definitely intriguing. Like the Panthers, no doubt the deserved favorites for the Roosters. Victor Radley is out for around six weeks. So that is a massive loss with Nat Butcher stepping into the starting squad. Nat Butcher, he's stepping up more and more every game. And yeah, he's really becoming a leader. There's been a void filled by the likes of Boyd Cordner, the Morris brothers and Jake Friend leaving. And Nat Butcher's been at the club for a while. He's past his development stage and now he's one of the senior players. So definitely going to step up, I believe, Nat Butcher. And Lindsay Collins returns to the squad and he is on the bench. For Penrith, no changes, no surprises there. If it ain't broken, don't fix it. Roosters, they were my prediction in the preseason to win the Premiership. So I'm actually really going to be paying attention to this game because Panthers significantly better than the Roosters so far this season. But Roosters have crept up their way into fourth. So yeah, they're not going as poorly as I kind of thought they were. In fact, they're going pretty awesome, but they are up against the team to beat, the Penrith Panthers. I mean, I can't say enough good words. I know that now that they're a successful team, there are fans that don't like them, think they're arrogant and kind of believe some of that media bullshit, but I love watching the Panthers, and most fans do. It's incredible. As a rugby league fan, how can you not love what the Panthers have been, have been doing? And be envious if you're not a successful club, like I support the Warriors. I am so envious of what the Panthers are doing at the moment. Just incredible to see it go down the way it has. And look, all 17 up against 17, but there are going to be battles all over the park. This is going to be a very, very physical and competitive game. And I expect the Panthers to target Walker and Carey. And they've got the firepower to really do so. Guys like James Fisher-Harris and Viliame Kikau. So this game, Saturday night, this is going to be a big one. I cannot wait to tune in. I've got for the key battle... It's a bit of a double up. Manu and Suwali up against Tago and May. I'm really keen to see that one go down. Joseph Suwali really starting to find his feet in first grade with Joey Manu being absolutely elite and having the most experience across this battle. On the other side, you have the young tandem. Best mates, Isaac Tago, Tail and May absolutely killing it. Like the combination so good that Brian Toto has moved back to the right wing. So... I can't wait to watch that battle go down. There's going to be a try or two somewhere between all of them. So yeah, they're definitely going to have a major contribution. And I just can't wait to see every battle. Every time one of them takes a run or they go for a tackle, very keen to see how it plays out. My point of difference, I've gone with Penrith's cohesion. The fact they've had the same team and they've just been working so closely together. Whereas the Roosters finding their balance now, but they didn't come into the season as hot as the Panthers did. The Panthers have had cohesion since the get-go. And yeah, that could definitely be a point of difference. As for my X factor, I've gone Sam Walker. And without wanting to put too much pressure on him, I just thought if the Roosters are to win, I definitely think they're going to need a little bit of Sam Walker brilliance here. Or on the flip side of that, even if he can just make his tackles, if he's being targeted, he just needs to continue to step up engage in the physical tackles and yeah just go as hard as he can so i've gone x factor sam walker i think he may have a trick or two up his sleeve for this game and ivan cleary back on deck coming up against trent robinson who i actually think he's going to have a game plan that could potentially shut the penrith panthers down so i'm going to take a massive 
massive risk here. And for, I believe the first time this season, I'm going to bet against the Penrith Panthers. Uh, it hasn't worked out when I have in recent seasons, so I really don't know about this. But hey, Roosters were my pick at the start of the season to win the Premiership, so this is a big test. If they don't beat the Panthers, it doesn't mean they can't win the Premiership. But this this game is probably the game of the weekend. The two Saturdays, this, this back-to-back of Cowboys Storm into Panthers versus Roosters, mouth-watering. It is going to be unreal. And I'm going to take a risk here. I'm going to go with the Sydney Roosters. I am tied first in my tipping competition. So, uh, yeah, you got to take some risks in there, don't you? And everyone, I'm sure, going to be jumping on the Panthers without putting too much thought into it. But when I put thought into it, like, I absolutely believe Panthers well-equipped to win. Like, if you had a gun to my head and I had to choose, I'd definitely say Panthers. But I'm, I'm feeling something. I think the Roosters, they're going to have some kind of game plan to throw at Penrith. And this is just the regular season. Penrith have already had so many highs throughout the season. Whereas I think Roosters are going to drag them into a contest. And it's going to be about who wants it more. Panthers, look, they are in such a great position. They're still going to want to get the win. But Roosters, they're going to want it very, very badly. So I'm actually going to take the Sydney Roosters. Uh, not with a great deal of confidence at all. But I do like going for some danger games and trying to pick ones where maybe it seems like it's going to be a clear-cut result and saying like, hey, let's see if it goes the other way. So taking the Sydney Roosters over the Penrith Panthers, the first time I've gone against the Panthers this season. But Roosters, they were my prediction to win this season. So I've got somewhat of a vested interest in them. And yeah, absolutely going to be tuning in for this game. Fans of both clubs have every reason to get be getting excited about 2022 being yet another premiership season. So a phenomenal game on the Saturday night leading into the Sunday game, 2 p.m. in Dubbo with the 8th placed Rabbitohs hosting the 10th placed Raiders who Raiders sitting second to last just a couple of weeks ago. They've now worked their way into 10th. Matt Frawley has been a really big part of that as well. And we see that Brad Schneider, he, he's been omitted. So Matt Frawley, his form has earned him a start at halfback alongside the returning Jack Whiten. And Zach Wolford starting. Well, we saw he came into the starting squad last week. He wasn't even in the Raiders squad at the start of this year. So he's worked enormously hard, the son of Simon Wolford. And he played insanely well on debut. Two try assists just... That was exactly what the Raiders needed. A specialist dummy half. They clearly don't want to play Starling for the full 80. And hey, well, the Raiders looked really, really good against the Sharks in the first half last week. So this game, definitely an intriguing one. Eighth against 10th as well. We see Adam Elliott has been dropped to 18th man duties. And I saw today Millie Boyle, who she is with Adam Elliott. They're in a relationship she signed with the Newcastle Knights in the NRLW, her and Tamika Upton, which is a really big deal for the Newcastle Knights NRLW-wise. But supposedly, Adam Elliott, he wants to go with Millie Boyle. So Newcastle Knights seems very likely as an option. I believe that is going to happen. So I'm expecting Adam Elliott to head to the Newcastle Knights next year. But the only thing stopping that is the Canberra Raiders standing in his way. Another night signing as well I've seen, Kai Pierce-Paul from the English Super League. A lot of clubs were after him, back rower. He has signed with the Knights. Uh, 
I've been hearing a couple of transfer rumors. Always enjoy the transfer rumors. And looking at the battles across the teams, I actually really like the Raiders Ford pack. I think that Joseph Tarpanay and Josh Papali'i are a massive game breaker combination. And the Rabbitohs, without Cameron Murray, that is going to leave a huge void in their Ford pack. We saw that they started to really tire last round. Although Jai Arrow at lock is not bad either. He definitely knows how to get shit done in the middle. Now, jumping on to my key battle for this game, I have my X-Factor player. Like, I've picked an X-Factor player for both sides originally. Before I realized it was Indigenous round, I went with Joseph Tarpanay, who I think in the front row really does provide an X-Factor. He's a ball-playing front rower, really, really skillful, quick as well, and evasive, hard to tackle. So I think Joseph Tarpanay... He is going to be a massive key for the Raiders if they are to try and get a win. And as for the Rabbitohs, well, my key battle, I have their X-Factor player, an indigenous superstar in Cody Walker, up against another indigenous superstar in Jack Whiten, both of them playing 5-8 for their team, both of them with the halfback alongside them that aren't really a top-line fullback yet, at least in Lachlan Ilias's case, he's still, it's his first year of first grade so he's still very much developing for Matt Frawley uh, look he does his job unbelievably well he's been killing it playing well above his pay grade so can't fault Matt Frawley but definitely the X factor the battle is going to be in the halves and 5 eighths. Cody Walker and Jack Whiten take center stage Cody Walker specifically last weekend against the Warriors he kind of showed that he was Back or close to his try scoring and try assist form, where he was just putting tries on for everyone, scoring them himself as well. And yeah, I think he could definitely cause the Raiders some real trouble. I'm seeing Tane Milne. I was thinking potentially having a stab on Tane Milne, the anytime try scorer, Alex Johnston, anytime try scorer. And I'll be rooting for the Raiders, no doubt, cheering for them. But look, in that X-Factor battle, I think Cody Walker might just have the edge over Jack Whiten because Jack Whiten heavily relies, I guess both of them, they heavily rely on their team to lay the platform. So if the, if neither Ford Pack show up or if one does and the other doesn't, well, then that's going to play a huge part in how the 5.8s get into the game. But no doubt Cody Walker and Jack Whiten going to have a huge bearing on the result of this game. My point of difference for the Canberra Raiders, Zach Wolford, starting at hooker this weekend after making his NRL debut last round at Magic Round, and he's a specialist dummy half, so that truly opens up Tom Starling to play his game. The Raiders don't have to have a back rower playing there, or Matt Frawley playing there when he is so obviously a half, so that is an unbelievable point of difference for the Raiders. They're going to be up against Damian Cook, so... Very much a premier dummy half of the game. But Zach Wolford, I do think he's a point of difference. I'd say he'll play the first half an hour or so. Bring Starling on for the last 10 minutes of the first half. Then probably the first half an hour of the second half. And bring Wolford on for the last 10. And Wolford was electric on his debut. So really, really excited to see what he can offer up here. Up against the Rabbitohs. Ricky Stewart up against Jason Demetrio. Jason, look, he has he's gaining experience. He served his apprenticeship under Wayne Bennett, but Ricky Stewart 
has a bit more of a proven track record at rebuilding a club or at least keeping a club sustainably successful because both sides are experiencing a transition in terms of some really key players leaving and bringing through some talented young players. So neither side planning a full rebuild and they want to be competitive. That's the challenge. They want to be able to have a transition and bring these young kids through without having to rebuild or having to do this drastic kind of shake-up. So a win here for both clubs is very important because a loss... And yeah, it's both clubs are in same-same but different kind of positions. They had very different years last year, but 8th versus 10th, this is definitely a very close and curious matchup. Like, I am genuinely curious as to how this is going to play out. Another note, Saliva Havili on the Rabbitohs bench, coming up against the Raiders, who he'd been playing with for the last few years, so he'll be up against a lot of great former teammates and great mates. Top position, top eight position, not top position, gee whiz. Top eight position on the line here, so there is plenty at stake. You better believe both sides will be fired up. And yeah, I loved what I saw from the Raiders in the first half last weekend. Just how they came out and absolutely blitzed the Sharks. Uh, they look like they're piecing a few things together. And Rabbitohs, look, what they did in the first half against the Warriors was phenomenal as well. Neither side lighting it up in the second half. Especially the Rabbitohs were really poor. They started to gas out and get really tired. Warriors brought themselves to within two points. So that is a bit of a danger. If the Rabbitohs do get tired and then Tom Starling comes off the bench and starts tearing them up through the middle, that, that could be tricky. And that's where maybe Jack Whiten as an X-Factor player will also be able to get his hands on the ball and really exploit a tired Rabbitohs defensive line. So this is a game I'm very pumped for. In terms of the ladder, this is a four-point game. This isn't just for two points. This is also to deny someone that you're in direct competition with a chance to gain two points. So very much four-point game here. Massive for the winner. All of Then they can start to, you know, okay, Origin, how are we going to maneuver this and get to our finals run? For the losers, like, you just fucking flat out trying to even scratch your way anywhere close to the eight. So it, it's a tricky one, this one, and it makes it hard to pick because it's like, who's who wants it more? Who's going to be more fired up and which game plan is going to be executed better? In my opinion, anything could happen. Like I can see one of the side, one of them blitzing each other. I can see Golden Point. Like I can see a lot of different scenarios. It's footy. Like this is just a preview and predictions essentially. So this isn't like I'm not rubbing some kind of crystal ball and saying exactly how it's going to go down. And this one. Yeah, that's the beauty of it. I, one of those great games where last year we saw so many games, especially with the betting market, where it was so obvious who was going to win. So it's great. This season has been extremely competitive. A lot of close matchups. This is definitely one of them. And in terms of my prediction, I'm going to go with the Rabbitohs. I, I do like the Raiders. They're my second team, and I'm definitely going to be cheering for them to win. I do like Tom Starling coming off the bench. I really like Zach Wolford starting as well. But Cody Walker, in it's indigenous round. I really think Cody Walker is going to get a huge lift from that. I've been loving the form of Tane Milne on the wing for the Rabbitohs. I think he's starting to cement that position. Love Alex Johnston on the other wing as well. 
No Cameron Murray is a concern. Same with no Latrell Mitchell. They've got some young players in key positions as well. So Raiders are absolutely their chance. This is a 50-50 flipper coin game. But uh, yeah, I'm not too sure. I just, I haven't seen enough. And because the Raiders are my second team, like I know the team very well and I can kind of identify certain things and I they haven't made me a believer yet. I know they're sitting 10th and they're competing for a top eight spot and they're in a really good patch of form. They are getting wins, but they still haven't done enough to convince me that they are a top eight side this year. So Rabbitohs are a perfect test. They were last season's runners up and if Raiders can get it done, then I'll be stoked. I'll start to get my my hopes up and yeah, I'll take my chances. But in this game, I think the Rabbitohs Ford, Fords wise, I think Raiders have the advantage, but something just tells me Cody Walker and his try assisting form. If the Raiders aren't up to it defensively, then I think Cody Walker is going to be able to pile on some serious points. So I'm going to be taking the South Sydney Rabbitohs over the Canberra Raiders. JJ's here with me, so JJ, look, I know you had some thoughts on the Raiders and Rabbitohs. I believe you were actually going opposite to my pick, going for the Raiders. So I'd be interested to hear what your headspace is around that pick. Yeah, I definitely had some thoughts. Unfortunately, they weren't very in-depth. I actually did do some notes for this game, and my notes were basically, I'm just going to go for the Raiders. I don't really have much analysis. Um, just the feeling. Definitely, I liked what I saw last week uh, when they beat the Sharks. Like That was pretty impressive. And basically, it kind of stems, I guess, I'm a little bit down the rabbit hole still. I don't know why. It's just kind of a gut feeling. So, yeah, not. it's kind of a gut feeling, not too much head analysis, just going for the Raiders. All right, JJ. Well, that is actually very funny that you mention it because for this last game on the Gold Coast for round 11 Indigenous round, Gold Coast Titans hosting the Sharks, I'm actually, I'm going to do similar to you. I'm going to make a pick. This one I'm really unsure about. Everything I've thought about, every aspect leads me towards picking the Sharks, but I'm actually going to go with the Gold Coast Titans for an upset at home. I'm not sure exactly why. That's why I'm making this a rapid pick. Really interested to see the fullback for the Sharks as well on debut. Lachlan Miller has come over from the Australian Sevens, so that is a really, really intriguing signing. Keen to see how he goes at NRL level. He's been playing very well at New South Wales Cup level, and that allows Nico Hines to move back into the halfback position. But I still think no Will Kennedy, no Jesse Ramian. That is going to take a toll. Sharks have a lot of firepower, so I expect this to be a close game. But I, I'm going to take the Gold Coast Titans. I'm going to take them for the upset. Really, this is the one I'm least confident about, and I've gotten some really big underdogs throughout this entire round. So that's saying something. I'm not super confident on the Titans, but again, I'm taking some danger games and just, you know, having a bit of a gamble, having a bit of a spin and seeing where things land. So I'm going to be taking the Gold Coast Titans. I think they can get it done at home. I think they still want to make the finals and play top eight football. So they're still a way away from that at the moment. They need wins. And I think heading toward the origin period, like they're going to want to build nicely and get on a run. So to get on a run, they're going to need a second consecutive win. And I think they can do it. If the Sharks win this, then again, once again, the Sharks continue to prove me wrong. They are going awesome. I couldn't be happier for them. They're playing unbelievable. 
look like a really strong club that are going to have sustainable success as well. But this just, I don't know, this could be a danger game. So I will be taking the Gold Coast Titans over the Sharks. That has been mine and a few of JJ's as well. Tips for the whole round. So hopefully you can get up over the weekend. <clears throat> Some There's been a lot of underdogs, but at, look, we've seen the end of the first game already and the Broncos got the win. So one from one to start the weekend. And if you enjoyed the podcast, do not forget to follow us on Instagram at not just a sports report and follow us on whatever podcast platform you are listening on. You'll be able to see on Sunday when the NRL Power Hour podcast drops. And that'll basically be a reaction to all the action from the weekend. And yeah, basically seeing how all of this, what I've talked about for, wow, two hours now, how it all plays out. So yeah, plenty of action ahead this weekend. NRL Power Hour dropping on Sunday at Not Just a Sports Report. Hope you've enjoyed the podcast. And yeah, there's going to be some really great action. Specifically as well, I'm eyeing off the back-to-back Saturday or the, the triple for me. But for the fans that don't go for the Warriors or Dragons, then the back-to-back of Storm and Cowboys into Roosters and Panthers, that that's where it's at for me. And I'm sure a lot of people. So look, we've already seen the Broncos game. One from one to start the weekend. Uh, really liked that the Broncos drifted out to $1.82 in the market as well. That Look, that's it. That's round 11, Indigenous round. Hope everyone enjoys it. Really keen to see everyone rip and tear. And specifically, some of the Indigenous boys as well, like Cody Walker and like Katoni Staggs and Selwyn Cobbo, who we saw tonight. But I'll be getting into that on the NRL Power Hour podcast. So from myself and JJ until the weekend... Enjoy the footy and take care of yourselves.